Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on Starline by a former Prince Charming on Disney Cruise Lines. He's taking his culinary and historical researching to a new level with his YouTube channel. More than 1.7 million subscribers enjoy tasting history with our guest, Max Miller. Thanks so much for having me. Max, let's go beyond the mic. Furloughed after years of marketing and film distribution departments at Disney because of the pandemic, you started a self-taped video series, Tasting History, which now you've turned into a cookbook. Why was tackling historical foods important for you? Uh, You know, I just love history. I love stories from the past and, and kind of bringing history to life. And there is no better way to bring history to life than and tasting it, actually eating the foods that they might have eaten in ancient Babylon or medieval Europe, uh, you know, kind of putting yourself in the shoes of people from the past. I think it's I think it's important simply to remember where we came from. How has the culinary world improved from Sparta to today? And is there a recipe from the past that might be a taste sensation today? Uh has it improved? It's, you know, it is definitely more diverse today than it's ever been. Uh, we just have access to so much more and, and it has improved, um, mainly because of the quality of cooking utensils and, you know, things like that. Um, and the education that, that people have put into, to learning how to cook. Um, but there are a lot of foods from the past that I think deserve a, a renaissance. One is called syllabub, everlasting syllabub. And it was really popular in the 17th and 18th century in Europe and in America. And it's essentially whipped cream, but it's made with booze. So it's got wine or or brandy or port in it. And then it's flavored like orange blossom water or or apple or cinnamon and who doesn't like boozy whipped cream? I don't know why this ever went away. It's so easy to make. So that deserves a comeback. Same thing as boozy peanut butter and jelly, but I digress. Max Miller from Tasting History joins us beyond the mic for The Rocking Eight. Max, all this is is eight random questions answered with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. All right. Best place to visit in Hawaii? Uh, the north side of Kauai. Favorite ride at Disneyland? Splash Mountain. Which is the best Pokemon in your opinion? Blastoise. Blastoise. Now, have you gotten the Moroccan fountain working yet? I just bought a new uh, a, a new thing, so by the end of today, it should. Which historical food is your favorite? Uh, probably Semlor from uh, Sweden. How about your favorite Broadway musical? A Little Night Music. Max, which recipe was horrible initially, but it was easy to fix? Oh, boy. Um, the the castle pie from from medieval Europe. Some of those ingredients I had to to toy with to, to figure out how to make it edible. But then it ended up being delicious once I did. How about a favorite dish that you ever had from Simon Majumdar? Oh, from Simon Majumdar. You know what? He actually recommended I go to a place uh, in in Hawaii on Maui that had the best pancakes I think I've ever had in my entire life. They were like French toast pancakes. He didn't make them, but he suggested them, and that's what I loved. It's time for the back half with our guest, Max Miller from Tasting History Beyond the Mic. Max, what should people expect, and why should people buy Tasting History? People should expect stories from history accompanied by recipes. It's really a history book with recipes in it, more so than a cookbook. And I think that people should buy it because it's important important to to know those stories to know where our food has come from to be able to to 
learn a little bit more about, you know, about the food that we're eating. I, I, I just think it's important. Um, but uh, yeah, so you should expect a lot of really great recipes and a few in there that are like, why would I ever make this? You know, Spartan blood soup, uh, melasomos. And the reason to make that is to taste something that, you know, a Spartan warrior would have eaten, even though it's probably not going to end up on your dinner table anytime soon. But it can really be read as a coffee table book more than more than a cookbook, I think. As you get more and more ideas from your fans, which are the ones that you looked at and said, eh, no, not eating that. You know, there are very few things that I've that I've come across that I won't try, uh, but Sometimes it's it's more like oh, I'll get to this when I've run out of other ideas. <laughs> There's you know sometimes I'll get to <laughs> like what recommendations with bugs is the big is the big thing. There are parts of the world where people eat insects a lot, you know. And I've had insects before uh, when I gone to Mexico. I've had the the worm that uh, is often enjoyed with mezcal and whatnot. But for the most part, I'm not enthusiastic about eating insects and so it's probably it's low on the list which recipe is your favorite from the book from the book probably it's probably the similar i just love the you know i like marzipan that kind of sweet almondy flavor and that's kind of what these are filled with it's not exactly marzipan but they're saffron buns that are filled with a smooth almond sweet mixture and then, you know, hot cream around the, the sides or whipped cream on top, either way. They're, they're just so, so good. Which recipe was the one you left out of the book? You know, there was something called, um, at the time it was called Ugla. Um, and they are these Sri Lankan rice balls. They're kind of parched rice or dried rice that's left out in the sun and then formed into little balls with some some cinnamon and some uh, palm sugar. And I really wanted to put those into the book, but I couldn't master the recipe enough to get other people to recreate it consistently. And so I ended up leaving it out, just realizing that I needed a little bit more time with it. Uh, they, A lot of people just said they, they kept falling apart. And so I was like, all right, until I master this, we'll, we'll leave it out. How has Jose's support changed the way tasting history has evolved? You know, he is my sounding board. Um, there are so many things that I've, I have found that he is, when I run something by him, his opinion tends to be, tends to be correct. And when you're in it, when you're actually creating something, sometimes it's hard to step back and be like, oh, this, this doesn't work or this just, you know, this isn't all that interesting to anyone but me. Um, and sometimes I end up putting those things anyway. Uh, but he is, he's just such a great sounding board. And he has infant patience with with me when I get frustrated with cooking or or filming because I do get frustrated. Uh, I'm I'm not very good at the technical side of things, and he's like, "All right, let's just figure this out." And so that's the show is dependent on his patience. Who was the cooking mentor, Max, that changed the way you looked at your craft? Thomas Keller. Uh, I wish I could say that I've actually met him, um, but he taught me a lot about cooking and baking through his cookbooks. His cookbooks are so well written that you can learn how to cook simply by reading them. Uh, you don't even need practical demonstrations. You can really just read them and 
and repeat in the kitchen. They're fantastic. His passion for food, his passion for individual ingredients is, is something that I've tried to, to emulate, uh, albeit on a much smaller level. I don't have a farm or anything where I get my own ingredients like he does for some of his restaurants, but his passion is what has inspired me. But you have your garden. <laughs> I do. What was the first recipe that you baked for your former co-workers at Disney? It was a sambucad, I believe was the first thing. And that was that actually ended up being one of the first episodes of Tasting History. I think it was the, the second episode. And it's a medieval elderflower cheesecake. And it's not as sweet or as flavorful as... Um, as we would typically have a cheesecake today, it's much more subtle and has this light, sweet floral flavor to it. And it's delightful. And uh, it's something I need to revisit, actually. Max, how has this experience changed you? No, I think the biggest thing that it's changed in me is uh, my confidence. It's helped me become more confident. And I don't just mean on camera, though it it has. I, I go back and look two years ago at videos and I, I, I can't even watch them. But just my confidence in myself and, and my tastes in in history and, and, and what I enjoy doing. You know, sometimes when you are at home alone and reading and, you know, kind of in your own little nerd world of, of I like history and food and, you know, you kind of think, oh, I'm the only one. And then you put this out there and millions of people share your passion and share the interests that you that you thought only you had. And, uh, and it, it just makes you feel like there there's a community out there, even if you can't actually interact with it. It's time for one big question with Max Miller from Tasting History Beyond the Mic. Max, you took a giant leap, depending on Patreons when you were furloughed. What do you see in your future? Uh, hopefully more the same. I'm loving life right now. Um, but you know, I, I hope to be able to travel more with the show, uh, and explore some, some foods from around the world, from the people who actually still eat them. Where can people find you online? On YouTube, tasting history with Max Miller and on Instagram, also tasting history with Max Miller. Max likes similar, a little night music in the North side of Hawaii and wants you to read his book, Tasting History. Max Miller, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. And that, my friends, is I'll Be on the Mic Shortcut. <laughs>